0: Thank you for tuning in to the Best Parenting Show on the Internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey, guys. Christy Saul, the co-founder of the Post Institute with the take two. um, Because, well, my battery died. i lost battery. (laughs) So it's uh, a little ironic. It's kind of, I feel kind of bad making a joke about something that's so serious. But, um, you know, that's a coping mechanism, right? So um, I'm bringing out the book from fear to love you know we've been working on that book study and i was rolling man i was just getting ready to be into the heart of my message and my phone died so um i hope you guys uh come back and join me mimi i see you there so thank you thanks for making it back i hope that lydia makes it back and that other folks aaron and i know there were a couple of people commenting and so i hope that you guys uh come back and rejoin, um, the conversation. Um, so it's, uh, John Bowlby, who is the father of attachment. He's quoted as saying the threat of loss is equal to loss itself. Um, and this message really is being called out, um, from a Facebook, uh, instant message that I received asking us to, um, to speak to our frontline families. And, um, so when I think about, well when i think about that phrase the threat of loss is as real as loss itself and i allow it to really saturate my heart and to think about um many of us have experienced loss we've experienced um, death of loved ones we've experienced divorce Uh, we may have experienced loss of our own children And then when I think about our children and I think about, um, you know, regardless of the circumstance of being in foster care or being adopted, um, it's still a significant loss, a loss of their family. And so then when we layer that on to national health crisis to the pandemic and you think about, um, the, the things that they're missing, the things that they feel like they're losing—losing losing contact with their peers, with their teachers—and for many kids, those are really safe, loving relationships. And the knowing that in some cities, um, frontline workers, especially healthcare workers, are being quarantined away from their families, so they're having to. Um, Stay at the hospital or in housing provided that's controlled and that's because they want to make sure that the people who are keeping uh, In the community well and providing safety for the community's health that they are not um, accidentally getting exposed and so think about that, my goodness, um, if you are a parent of a child, a foster child, or an adopted child, a child who's already, already experienced significant loss, and now um, a parent is not able to stay home because they're quarantined, the threat of loss is as real as loss itself. That's very hard for those babies to understand, no matter the age. Even a grown-up baby, even a grown person, you know, the baby inside of us is going to feel that loss or the threat of that loss. They're going to feel that separation, and it's super significant for us to just, no matter where, what community we're in, we're all experiencing the pandemic differently. Like um, I was saying here in Oklahoma, we're actually going to be opening up certain parts of business that had been closed effective May 1st with all these guidelines and um you know hopefully it'll go well hopefully it will go well and hopefully will be part of a process that helps the world open up and be safe i hope it goes like that but i for one won't be participating in that because i've got loved ones that i need to make sure and protect uh, people who are in risk categories and so we're we're all in our own little bubbles, you know, in our, the bubbles of our community, and we don't necessarily have full comprehension or full understanding of how um, large cities, how things are being, you know, where people naturally live on top of each other, live closer to, talk about Boston, Massachusetts, you know, LA, New York City, Michigan, Dallas, Atlanta, these big metropolitan areas, Denver, where people literally live right on top of each other. And so the pandemic has a very different effect in places like that than it does in a state that's much more rural, like Oklahoma. So the other thing to think about, too, is when we say frontline workers and we're talking, you know, we're thinking about medical professionals, but really frontline workers at this point are anybody who's still employed, anyone who's still out there actively going to work every day, is a frontline worker. So whether your your loved one is working at a grocery store or working at a drive-through where people come through and get their groceries, or whether they're working at a drugstore providing life-and-death medications to people who might be super stressed out, or whether they're at a nursing home as an employee, or whether they're at a hospital as a surgeon. So the um, the title. That a person holds that um, qualifies them as a frontline worker, the trash people. You know, think about it. Think about all the people it that are frontline workers that keep our that are keeping our world going. And then think about those families. Think about their families at home, and uh, think about what it feels like every time they walk out the door and they're hoping that they're safe. And every time that they come home, and they strip their clothes at the at the back door, or drop them in the laundry, they go straight to the shower before they get to hug and kiss anyone in their family. And how um, parents are being asked to comfort and soothe their children. Um, imagine a foster child or an adopted child who's already had so much loss, and now a parent is trying to help them understand why mom or dad isn't home or why to wait till uh, they get cleaned up before we give those hugs and kisses oh it's very complex it's very complex and it's very real the threat of loss is as real as loss itself the things we are concerned about everything we're going through in our worry and our concern our children are going through it too and to just expand the compassion for that and so as I say that um, you know how how each family deals with stress is different. You know, for some families, staying busy and staying occupied is a really great strategy. And so, you know, um, the crisis learning programs may be a, a blessing to your family where it's keeping you occupied. And so. The, feeling of, the feelings of fear and anxiety, it's providing you a sense of normalcy and providing a sense of routine, in which case, that's awesome. On the other hand, for some families, those are things that are just adding more stress to a situation that's already really charged emotionally. So, um, you know, I, I think that um, there's no better time than to really focus on what it is your family really needs and us as a community embracing families, especially the families who have frontline workers and and family members who are in the high-risk categories to just really extend it, our hearts of compassion. Um, check in on those people. Ask them, how are you really doing? Be open to having vulnerable conversations. You know, one thing that I have noticed is through this time, um, wounds, that had not previously been revealed because of our busyness are being revealed. And so for us to be the mature uh, adults, the mature figures in our family, to be open to deep emotional expression and for us with one another as adults to, um, to be vulnerable, you know today I had a, a friend of mine FaceTime me Um she's thinking about starting a business and we spent actually we spent like an hour together just talking and we talked about some deep raw vulnerable wounds because she's wanting to pour into um, a population of people who have just really really been deeply wounded and so we talked about our own experiences in that journey of our identity and our growth and our maturation and our and our flesh and and just really poured into each other. And so, I just you know, um, it's there's a beautiful opportunity in weakness to allow other people to help hold us up. And so, um, you know, I just really hope. I hope that the families of the frontline line workers out there, whatever the position is that there are people um, that you are able to go to with your strong emotions with your raw vulnerable self with your transparency with your frightened heart that you can go and have people that pour into you and love on you and help provide comfort and reassurance um, and uh, give you what you're needing. So that you can pour those things into your children because, um, you know, this isn't necessarily the time that we can just, you know, take lemons and turn it into lemonades every minute. You know, there, there are moments of great joy. I hear, I'm hearing beautiful stories of people, um, looking at ways that they want to be able to continue to work from home so that they can be with their families because they're finding such value in this family togetherness time and that is a beautiful thing and there are also families who whose loved ones are going out every single day and every single day they're experiencing this fear, the fear of loss that's as real as loss itself. So, I think my message today really is just to bring that to the awareness, to, um, for us as adults to reach out to one another and that's, and offer, and be vulnerable, you know, to, to let, to let somebody know that when you're struggling and if you have friends who are frontline workers, to reach out to them, ask them how they're doing, offer some face time, offer some love time, offer just that, you know, I'm a place, I can hold space for those feelings, I'm here with you um we don't have to be allergic to the emotions that come up because they are real they are real and they are raw and the fear of loss is as real as loss itself when we can support those parents then they're going to be more able to support their children and in supporting their children that's you know that's talking about some tough truths that yes this is real and yes Your dad, your mom, whoever it is that's out there, your sister, your brother, your cousin, your uncle who's out there every day. They are doing their best to keep themselves safe. They love you no matter where they're at. Keep in phone contact. Use that FaceTime, you know. Um... I find myself worried, you know, after watching the national news, you know, here in Oklahoma, it's quiet. But when I look at that national news and I see, um, I see car lines that are miles long for people waiting to get uh, bags of food. And I hear the stories of college students who are in a gap where they can't get assistance, like food stamps and SNAP, um, and because they're living with their parents or because not working 20 hours a week or whatever whatever governmental rules were in place that made sense during a different time and those rules haven't been adjusted and so we have people falling through the cracks um who who really are in in very difficult situations for basic needs to be met um when i hear about um you know some people receiving um assistance in terms of the stimulus check people not getting it and People who are unemployment getting a $600 a week or a month or whatever raise and people who are out there still working, 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 not getting raises and not getting bonuses and yet they're the ones who are really keeping this thing going. You know, um, the tensions can get really tight. And then when tensions get tight and stress gets tight and fear takes over, then Our best of humanity does not show when we start fighting against one another, we start perceiving these fears and we start um, feeling as if there is a lack versus that there's plenty and believing in the greater good. And so um, I guess that's the other piece is, you know. someone in Dallas may be feeling the pressure of this, the stress of this way different than me in Oklahoma. And so those of us who might be, who are living in places that are not hotspots, we have a privilege and we have an opportunity. And that opportunity is to carry, to carry those people, to carry those people in our prayers, to carry those people in our generosity, to carry those people in our hearts. And so as I say that, it just, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe that's even another piece for the, the families of frontline workers whose children are feeling concerned. You know, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes doing something for somebody else or having somebody do something for you is uh, something that just helps us feel more connected. Um, so, as I say that, what I'm picturing is, um, you know, maybe I just need to find a pen pal or ten. In those communities and Marley and I will send letters and cards and you could do the same thing you could get on your Facebook page and you could say hey you know what in my community things are pretty chill we're doing okay here so is there anybody out there that needs help is there anybody out there who needs prayer is there anybody out there who needs a friend to talk to about all this because that's going to be what gets us through this you know um, in listening to them talk about financial forecasts on the national news and hearing that You know, a lot of lenders are giving, like, an automatic 90-day grace, but there's up to 12 months, and that can be tacked on the end of your loan. And then hearing to be prepared for fallout, financial fallout, economic fallout for the next year to two years. I can't help but think about um, Kit Kittredge from the American Girl Stories and learning about the impact of the Great Depression and the years that followed that and how families... Pulled together, you know, they rented a room out to somebody, they grew their garden and they shared and as a community to get through those really tough times. We actually have blueprints as a country for how to get through difficult times and greed has nothing to do with it. There's no place for that. Um, everything has to be about um uh, looking out for our fellow man. So, I think I've soapboxed enough. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you, frontline workers. And thank you for the families of those frontline workers. I feel like everybody in that family nucleus is is serving our country, um, serving in a way to help us all be um, to be well. Um, I pray that um, that greed and short-sightedness does not... Um, doesn't doesn't get in our way, that we're able to sidestep those temptations, and that we can continue to step in love, and that we can support those families so that they can take care of their babies, you know, so we're going to bring it all the way back around. The only way The only way I know to help those families be healthy is to pour into those parents. And we can pour into those parents so that they can do their job of being good mamas and good daddies. And that's the best that we can offer to help create family cohesion and keep the families of our frontline workers safe and intact and feeling loved. And so um, with that, I'll be interested, if anybody comes up with anything really cool and creative that they do to support their friends or to support families in another state, uh, maybe families they don't even know. I'd absolutely love to hear about that. Um, much love to you guys. My heart's just really full tonight and uh, I hope there's something in this message that you take and, uh, plant a seed, plant a seed of something good and watch it grow. Much love to you guys.